Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Uh, we're going to jump right into part four of Habits. Um, you know, as I was doing this series um, and studying and thinking through this, I, I really, there were a lot of habits that I could have talked about. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about gratitude because my wife and I talk a lot about uh, how being thankful and having gratitude just, just it's sometimes just an antithesis to the way we're treated in our community or in our workplace, or and just nobody seems very thankful. So I thought about the habit of gratitude being being one of the things, and I just passed it up. I thought about the idea of being in community. We could talk about the habit of being around people who are heading the same direction and doing the same things you are, and challenging you and holding you accountable to do the things that. And that habit is so important. I thought I thought about doing the the habit of solitude. That getting alone and being alone by yourself and away from other people for a while, even for a short time, maybe for a, a few hours, but that getting that time alone and not having these outside voices to hear, that it really opens up a chance to hear from God. And then I thought about fasting and I thought about all these different things, rest and worship, all these habits that show up throughout Scripture. But honestly, none of those seemed as powerful and none of those seemed as, as kind of core to what I think makes a difference in how we understand ourselves as this one, serving. Now, I know you don't think of this as a habit. You think of this as a request. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to request anything from you today. All I want to do is try to teach you through how serving does something that we don't expect it to. In fact, serving does something that nobody expects it to. It, it, it's almost like uh, we, we think of serving as this side thing that we get a choice on doing. And honestly, it is at the core of what Paul teaches. It's the core of what Jesus teaches. It is the core thing that gives us access to what we ultimately want, but we so many times miss because we are unwilling to think about how serving gets us there. So before we get to serving and I jump on that, don't you think we should do a review? Let's do a good teacher review. Let's catch up and see where we've all been. If you haven't been here throughout this whole series, I'm going to catch you up in like three minutes. It won't give you everything, but it'll give you the general view. So we've been talking about this one bottom line through the whole series. We've said spiritual habits keep us connected to Jesus. So I want to reiterate, listen, The spiritual habits we talk about are not things that earn you into God's good graces. They don't put you on a higher pedestal. They don't put you in a better position, uh, per se, than somebody else. This is not about positioning or authority or putting you in place. This is about staying connected to Jesus. All these habits are just like anything else in your life. If you're an athlete and you work out and you eat a certain diet and you do all these habits, you do all these little things so that they keep your body ready to do what it's supposed to do on the field, on the floor, in, in competition, right? You do all these habits in order to train your body to do something. As a parent, you, make up, you, you change your habits as your kids grow and need different things from you, and you create new habits and rhythms to give them what they need to grow and to, to access what it is their talents and abilities are and to help them think through life, and you change your habits based on that all because the end goal is not just to have good habits as a family, but it's to produce these 
ultimately, adult kids who are able to walk off and do life well, right, by themselves. Or in your workplace, you create habits when you come into work, who you talk to, how much time you spend at your desk, you, whether they're good or bad, you've got habits that help you produce what you want to produce out of life. And so spiritual habits are the same way. They're, they're not magical, they're practical. And the practical habits that we can put in place, that, we, that it takes work, it's difficulty, but the times that we can to get into reading the Bible or praying or doing these other habits like sermon we're talking about, those habits produce in us what we could not do by willpower alone. We couldn't do it by ourselves. So we produce habits to help us produce in us this connection to Jesus. And so that's where we're going to head out today. So we've been talking about meditation. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how that one was key to helping us really narrow down on as we read Scripture, that we can keep it with us, not just let it go by. So meditation is a way to to reconnect with the ideas of Scripture and keep it in our brains, keep it in our minds, and stay focused on where we're going that day. And then we talked about confession, which seems uncomfortable, but we talked about how confession isn't just about shame and guilt, Although maybe where it starts, you feel bad for something you've done or not doing it the right way. But then when confession is actually the first step to understanding that God has forgiven you and that you find joy, peace, and confidence because you're not in who you are, but in who God has been for you and that he has done what you could not do for yourself, which is solve your sin problem. And then today, it's obviously serving. And now serving, listen, we're going to jump into this. And I, I, I hope at the end of the day, what you have is a better, re- a better reason, uh, a better view, a better motivation that you want to go serve everywhere you go because serving does something not directly for you. See, that's the thing. Serving is different than these other habits I've talked about so far in this series. Uh, see, meditation and confession are both internal. So you sit down to read the Bible and you start to meditate on what it says. And guess what? It's all about in your head, in your mind, and how you go throughout the day. You can set a good habit for doing that, but honestly, it doesn't involve anybody else in the process. Same thing for with confession, right? When you confess, like there may be other people you've hurt, and eventually you need to go and ask forgiveness or confess to them what you've done wrong. But, but honestly, confession starts on the internal. It starts by yourself. You get alone and you think about it and you realize, oh my goodness, I've, I've done this wrong. It's all internal, but serving, it doesn't have, an, it has an internal component, but it's mostly external. It's, it's mostly driven by the people around you. And that's what makes it a little more difficult because you don't get a direct benefit you get an indirect, as we're going to talk about in a second, but you don't get a direct benefit from serving. It doesn't automatic, like you might feel good. You know, you've had that moment where you feel like, man, I'm so glad I got to help them. And man, serving feels good. But on the whole, there's no direct benefit to your life in terms of serving. There's an indirect. And there's a full benefit that we're going to see in a minute that actually produces in us something we all want and we all need. So here's the big bottom line for today. A habit of service is going to train us to live for something other than ourselves. That's the whole reason Paul talked about serving. That's the whole reason Jesus modeled it for us. He was trying to point us to this overall big idea that our whole purpose in serving was to train us not to focus on ourselves. It was to train us to live for something not ourselves. Now, isn't that interesting? And you're like, yeah, I get that. That's what serving is. Duh. Let me just break it down for you a second. Do, do you find it easy to serve other people all the time, or do you find it difficult? I, I find it quite difficult a lot of times to serve people, 
right? But here's the deal. When I don't intentionally serve, when I don't place it as a habit, as part of my life, and I put it in my life as a habit to train me to do that, I get confused about what my life's really about. In fact, in the words of Andy Stanley, he says it this way. If you live for yourself, lead for yourself, in the end, you will have nothing to show for yourself but yourself. That's a little bit crazy. That holds all of yourself in there. But you get the idea, right? If you just live for yourself, if all you're doing is living for you, if all you do is lead at work for you or lead your family for you and for your benefit, then at the end of your life, what are you going to have to show for yourself? Well, you'll have yourself to show for yourself. Because everything you've done is to increase your wealth or to make your health better or to increase your leadership, to increase your name and decrease your talent, to increase your opportunities. It's all about you, 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 and you, and you, and you, and you. So at the end of your life, if you live for yourself, you're going to end up with nothing to show for yourself but yourself. And here's the, here's the problem. Everybody in the room, I am fully confident, everybody in the room does not want to just live for themselves. I know that. I know all of you well enough. I don't even have to know you to know. None of us want to live just for ourselves. We know how empty that can be. We know how awful that turns out. We've seen selfish people. We've seen selfishness. And we know what it looks like. But man, on the other side, isn't there a tension in you that continues to draw you back to only care for what you need? draws you back and pulls you over here to, to just focus on what you want? Isn't there this, this full tension that we all would say if you were asked today on, at lunch and somebody said, hey, do you think it's better to live for you or live for somebody else? You would say, oh, it's better to live for somebody else. And I guarantee you, most of us would still go home and do what is best for us, not necessarily what's better for somebody else. And this is this, this is this crazy thing. This is why serving has to become a habit. Because the habit trains us to live for something besides ourselves. It trains our minds, it trains our hearts, and while the benefit is not direct, as we're going to see in just a minute, the benefit is that we get something that we always, always wanted. And it's to know what our purpose is. Whoa, I bet you you never really thought about that. But that's the link that Paul makes, as we're about to talk about in a second, in Romans 12. Paul makes the link between our habit of serving and understanding what God wants us to do. And as we make a serving habit, we understand more clearly our purpose and what we're really here to do. And so we're able to live for something larger than ourselves. It's going to be great. I've already told you what the whole message is now. But let's jump into the verses and see what it actually says and see how Paul leads us through this. Now, Paul... If you don't know Paul, Paul is one of the best defenses for the fact that Jesus was really here, really died, and really came back to life. Paul was a a Jew of all Jews. He was a Pharisee. He was basically a guy who defended the legal part and people how to. He taught people how to live according to the law of Moses. He knew exactly what to do. He knew the scriptures backward and forward. He had studied them all his life. And Paul was actually killing Christians and then one day he met Jesus for himself and then decided he would change teams and he would live for Jesus. Now, Paul, who was serving himself and serving his self-interest and moving up in the, in the Jewish world and, and in power, decided to switch roles and serve others. And so when you, when you hear about Paul, through, if you read the book of Acts and you read about Paul, what Paul did, everything that Paul did was aimed at helping other people. 
It was aimed at protecting or defending or making sure other people knew about Jesus. And so when Paul writes this, I want you to know that this comes from a guy who lived it and who, who had some struggles, but he talked about them honestly. And as he, gonna, as he walks through us through this, I want, you to, I want you to think about a guy who actually made this switch. Okay, He did this, he was honest about it, and man, his life turns out that he uh, is one of the most famous uh, Christian missionaries of all time because he started so many churches. So let's jump into Romans 12, 1. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. I need to stop here. I know we didn't get far into this, but I need to stop because there's a therefore, and, and that means there was a whole lot before this. We're in, we're in chapter 12 of Romans. There are 11 other chapters, okay? The first 11 chapters, Paul does a really, really good job of defending to both Jews and Greeks. He's writing to at the Roman church. This one's called Romans. He's writing to the church in Rome. And those people, both Jews and Greeks, were worshiping together. And this therefore is all about, hey, since I've just explained to you chapters 1 through 11, which is all about how Jesus has brought salvation to the Gentiles as well as the Jews, that Jesus' death and resurrection covers everybody, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles. Everybody comes to the same place. Everybody has to walk in the doors on equal standing. So he does this whole defense in chapters 1 through 11 of all this stuff, and he says, Therefore, because of all that, because of that God's mercy, I urge you. Now, it's interesting to think about this, because we often hear uh, serving in terms of like you hear your boss go tell you to do something, or maybe you hear a parent go tell you to do something, or maybe your spouse goes tell you to do something, and it's more like a command. It's like, hey, uh, listen, you need to go clean out the shoe closet. Oh, man, I don't know. Yep, yep, you got to go. And there's a, there's a sense of authority behind it, right? Paul's really careful here. He chooses his words very carefully. Therefore, I urge you. I'm not telling you. I'm not forcing you. I'm not using my authority. I'm not trying to to one-up you and let you know that you have to do this. This is not a have-to situation. What I'm about to tell you is not something you should feel guilty for not doing or shame for not doing, but let let me urge you. As your friend, I learned this verse from the King James Version. The word was beseech. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I know, I memorized it in that. I just hear, to beseech, to urge, to just ask and plead and beg, please, please, please listen to me. Please do this. In view of God's mercy for you, in view of what I've explained to you, do you understand that what I'm about to tell you is so, so important? It's so central to who you are in following Jesus that I beg you to do this because it's going to give you what you ultimately want, and it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight, but you need to do it. And so he continues on that verse. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that is your true and proper worship. Now, Paul does something really, really interesting here with this verse. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You guys know about sacrifice, right? (laughs) Sacrifice usually means die, right? In Paul's day, a sacrifice meant you brought an animal, and you brought it alive, and when you sacrificed it, they killed it. And what's interesting here is Paul flips something around on us. See, Paul talks about the sacrifice being living. In view of God's mercy, I want you off your bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't need you to bring something and kill it. I need you to bring something that was dead 
to life. That's totally different. But Paul knows that that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he died. And what he did is he actually brought us back to life. He came back to life. He gives us a chance at new life, something better than what we were doing before. And Paul's saying, listen, you've got to flip the script on what you think about. That I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not because it's going to kill you, because it's actually going to give you life. It's not the way we often think about being a sacrifice, is it? And then he does this. In, in Paul's day, see, you didn't sacrifice yourself. You sacrificed something else. You brought to the altar a lamb or a goat or a pigeon. And in some of the religions around Paul's day, you brought other people to sacrifice And they gave up part of their bodies or they gave up their whole life in order to appease the gods. And see, the whole reason you brought a sacrifice in that day was so that you could earn the gods' favor and earn God's mercy. So the order was God's mad, sacrifice, God's glad. Paul reverses that. In view of God's mercy, he's glad with you already. You bring a sacrifice and then you're happy. Isn't that interesting? So he's flipped the whole idea. This whole idea of presenting yourself as a living sacrifice is so culturally different than what was going on in Paul's day. And honestly, it's so culturally different than what's going on in our day, isn't it? Because, we, like I said, the struggle between what we know is true about selfishness and just living for ourselves and how empty that is, and yet that's the pull and that's the commonality. This is what we see in culture. We see bosses living for themselves and making decisions based on what's going to benefit them. We see companies and organizations and CEOs, what do they do? They make decisions based on how much profit they're going to get, not how much good they're going to be given for their employees or how much good they're going to be given to the people they serve necessarily. Listen, for you, don't you spend most of your time thinking about how you're going to spend your money and your time on you and yours? And Paul says, no, no, no. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. That's your true and proper worship. It's the thing that's going to show God how grateful you are for what he's done for you. This is how you get to a point where you're connecting with God, you're connecting with Jesus in a pleasing way, is by giving yourself. Ooh, that's really tough. Let me show you what verse 3 helps us expand on and understand. Or verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, remember, think about this. Paul's looking at everybody going, now, you're going to be tempted to go do what everybody else does. You're going to be tempted to go to work and do what's good for you. You're going to be tempted to go home and do what's good for you. You're going to be... Don't conform to that. That's the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world is pursue self. Pursue what I need. Pursue what I want. Don't conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing your minds. Now, let's think about this for a second. This is really difficult because it's easier to conform than to be transformed. It's easier to go along with what everybody else is doing in our culture. It's easier to be just like everybody else because there's less friction. And when there's less friction in your life, you feel better and you feel more at peace with your life. The problem is, It's not a very long-lasting peace. It's not a very long-lasting joy. You start to realize that it's a very empty way to live. But think about this difficulty. If you can be transformed by this, if you can develop 
what Paul's talking about and transform the way you think about your life, he's saying there's something different on the other side than this conforming part. Now, let me give you some examples what this might look like. What this might look like is when you go to work, the conforming to the world would say, hey, make sure you get credit for all the projects you do and make sure you get the next raise and make sure you get the next promotion. But it sounds like to me what Paul's saying is rather than conforming to that pattern of the world, maybe you don't worry about who gets the credit. If you get the credit, great. But if you don't, you celebrate and you serve the other people around you because you're willing to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to the people even at your workplace. And when you're at home, yeah, yeah, you could have this chore list to make sure everybody has it equal or you could not worry about whether it's equal or not. You could just continue to serve and offer yourself up as a living sacrifice as much as possible. And yeah, there, there's lots of things in community you, you would like to put your time into, but it just seems like there's so many other things you want to do and have fun doing. But what if you were unconcerned about just having fun for yourself and you saved some of your time and you saved some of your energy to be able to offer yourself up to others? So Paul's like, don't get conformed into what the world says life looks like, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Think about your life much differently. Well, how to do that, Paul? How to do that effectively? Well, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And here's the benefit, Paul says. Here's what he says. When you serve, when you're offering yourself up as a sacrifice, and you're living for other people and not yourself, When you're able to do that on a consistent basis, when you make that your habit, no, it's not comfortable and you don't get an immediate reward. But over time, what you are able to do is test and approve. Now, this test and approve just means this. What Paul's saying is you get a chance to see if you don't get connected to something greater than yourself and more fulfilling than yourself and find that God's way of doing things is actually good and pleasing and perfect for you. You start to understand God's will through serving. And it seems totally opposite, doesn't it? You know what I heard all my life? You know what I thought all my life? You know what I did all my life? Pretty much my, almost my entire life I've done. God, just sh- you show me what to do, God, and show me your will and I'll do it. But I was unwilling to make a habit of doing the things that were very clearly right in front of me. And so what Paul says is, listen, this is how you know what God's will is. You practice serving other people. You practice being a living sacrifice. And as you practice giving your life away, guess what you do? You align yourself with who Jesus was because he gave himself away all the time. And you begin to understand how good and pleasing and perfect giving yourself to something bigger than yourself really is. And then God's will becomes very clear to you. So you want to know what God's will is for your life? You start with serving. I know, bad news, right? But I want you to think about the people you know who do this, who, who know God's will for the life, who are clear about it, who seem so clear around what their purpose is in life and why they're here. Don't you see them doing a whole lot of serving other people than their own needs? Don't you see them applying themselves to other people's lives in a way that's just life-giving and fulfilling for other people? The people who are most at peace with who God is and what He's asked them to do are the people who are practicing serving 
on a regular basis. And does anybody get it perfectly? No, no, no. This is not about perfection. This is not about you suddenly reaching some nirvana of service and be like, I am a living sacrifice. It's not that. It's not that. Listen, this is practice, practice, practice. When you don't get it right, you get up and you try it again. And you don't get it right and you try it again. And you keep trying to serve other people's needs and wants before your own. And eventually, Paul says, you figure it out. You start to see what God's will is for you. Now, this gets super, super practical. Paul jumps into this whole section. And so there's, we just, we've just gone through a couple of verses here, right? He starts jumping into how this actually looks for all of us. So look at, look at this next verse. For by the grace given me. So Paul's like, hey, listen, again, I'm urging you. There's no command here. I'm not trying to tell you I'm better than you. I'm not trying to talk about it because I'm the pastor. I'm, this is, this is, listen, by the grace given to me, listen, I'm just telling you I still need grace to do this as well. But by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> this is great, right? Hey, uh, don't think you're all that. That's, that's basically Paul being like, hey, I understand I'm not all that, but don't you think you're all that? It's hard to be like, call somebody on their humility because it looks like you're not being humble by calling them on their humility. But here's what Paul's basically saying. Here's the first step. You got to stop thinking about yourself more highly than you ought to. Well, how should I think about myself, Paul? But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Listen, you need to think about yourself unbiased, in an unbiased way. The grace that was given to me, I'm just going to stop and tell you, stop thinking about yourself highly. And here's what Paul's encouraging. Remember the whole renewing of your minds bit? Like, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Paul looks at them and says, the first step is to train yourself not to think of yourself. Whew. Now that's difficult, right? Train yourself not to think of yourself first. Now, you've got to think about yourself. You've got to think about your health. You've got to think about the things in your life that are going to keep moving forward. You've got to think about you, right? But can you train yourself that as you live this life, as you're living a, a living sacrifice out to wherever you're at, can you learn to think about yourself with sober judgment that I'm not better than them? I'm not better than them. I'm just... Here by the grace of God. The mercy of God is upon me, and that's why I'm here. I don't necessarily deserve this, and I don't necessarily deserve this. I, I'm here to serve others. Paul says that's the first step. Now, I know that's hard enough, but we've, I've already given you a couple habits that should help you get there. If you work on meditation as a habit, if you work on confession as a habit, guess what you'll have to confront in yourself all the time? <laughs> your selfishness. So these are all linked together, but serving is the one that releases the power of this idea of knowing God's will for your life. And when you're able to serve in a pattern over and over again and deny yourself something, you start to think about yourself in the right way, and you start to think about yourself in relation to the other people in your community, in your family, in your workplace in the right way. So let's continue on. This is so practical. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This is a basic teaching. You've probably heard people talk about this before. You've probably heard pastors talk about this, but this is simple. Hey, we, 
we are part of a larger thing than just you. You're part of all the people who are trying to follow Jesus. You make up one whole thing that's much larger and more significant and more important than just you. And so when you think about, Paul says, when you think about the fact that you're connected to all these other people who are trying to also live as a living sacrifice and to give their bodies up to the service of other things, you create this whole thing, he had called it the church, that has a greater purpose than any one member can do on their own. And so Paul says, listen, the real power of this And you understanding God's will for your life is that you get connected to all these other people who are serving other people and serving one another. And there becomes this community of people. He talks about it as one body. You're a member. And you guys know, listen, the body does not serve the foot. The foot is a part of the body and the foot serves the rest of the body. And the hand is not served by the whole body, but the hand serves the entire body. And the eye is not served by the body. The, the eye serves the entire body, right? So, listen, you need to think about yourself in sober judgment. You, the idea is that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. It's more important than just you. And you've got to realize that as you look out, there's so much more going on than just your life. And we are, guys, we are so good at focusing every problem and every obstacle we face on just us and feeling sorry for us and focused on how the whole world affects us and how that thing makes me feel and how that thing made me have to work harder and man, I can't believe they left me with that and I can't believe I have to do that and nobody else does. Instead, Paul says, no, 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 back it up, back it up, back it up. The significance of you is not just about you. Your significance and importance is being a part of this greater thing that no one person could do on their own. Guys, that's why we, we push so hard. Matt's going to be doing this four series. That's why we push so hard for us to all band together to be for our community because we together are more powerful than any one of us serving alone. If we can learn to serve our community together and serve in our different areas we produce a much larger impact, a much larger purpose. Living for just me is not big enough for what God put in me. And this is where it gets tricky. What Paul's about to talk about should change your view because it doesn't make you less important to think of yourself less. It doesn't diminish your importance to add your value to someone else beside yourself. It increases your value. And this is what Paul looks at. And what so many, listen, so many of us miss this truth That we think we are less important if we serve. No, 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 no. You are not less important. You may not be as noticed. But you are way, way more valuable. And God has actually given you some things on purpose that were not for you. He gave you some talents and gifts and abilities that were to be used for a purpose larger than you. And not until you are willing to think of yourself as a living sacrifice, not until you are willing to serve other people and make this a habit and move away from thinking about yourself first, not until then will you actually know the full joy of using the gifts and abilities you have. That's right. Look at what he says. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. What? Your gifts 
your talents, your abilities, your ability with math, I don't have. Okay, whatever you can do with numbers in your head, I can't do it. Okay, you've been given a great gift. Some of you are so compassionate for people who are hurting. Some of you have so many, that you have all different gifts in this room. Listen, all those gifts that we all have now, they were given to you by the grace of God. See, we think about our gifts, we, we often think that we earned them. Now listen, you may have worked at some things and gotten better at some things, and definitely you need to apply yourself to some of the things that God has given you to make them better, and you can steward them to make them even better and get better at them. That's all good. But don't forget that the source of all the gifts that you have, the money and the time and the authority and the job and the, and the kids and the grandparents, all that was given to you, Right? It was a grace given to you. You didn't, you didn't know how to create that for yourself. It's just in you. It's just a part of your life. And so Paul points out, we all have different gifts. Watch this, next part. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is helping, then help. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here's what Paul's point is. You've been given a gift that is not just for your good and for your glory. It's not just to earn you money in this world. It's not just to make a name for yourself. It's not just for you to figure out how you can get to the top. All those gifts, when applied and done for the goodness of others, in service of others, you create a purpose that's larger than yourself. And those gifts were given to you for that purpose. See, we get it out of order. We think our gifts are ours to use for us, and if we have any left over, we'll use it for others. And that's the opposite of the way Paul and Jesus And all these people in the New Testament thought about it. Our gifts were actually given for this greater purpose of serving the people around us. And then what was left over, God's going to apply to us. And that's what creates purpose. And that's how you find out what God wants for you in your life. It is by applying serving to everything you have. And it's hard I told Matt this morning, we were talking about, I was like, man, the kids are going to have a lot more fun than we are this morning (laughs) because they're dressed up and they're having games and we're talking about serving. This is, listen, this is one of the most difficult things for anybody in the world to do because it's so hard to focus our energies and our time and our gifts and abilities on other people. It is so, because we are so conform to this world and how the world thinks about what is good and what looks great and what authority looks like and what purpose looks like. Man, if if my name's not known at work and they don't know me for, man, I'm just going to miss out on all the opportunities. How do you know? Those opportunities, do you want them? Do you really want them? No, what you really, really want. You want to be involved in this thing that God's doing that's bigger than you. Because only when you realize what God is doing around you and you're a part of this thing that's bigger than you, do you really feel the purpose that good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, yes, it's a fight. 
It is a fight to figure out how to serve. There is this going to be tension in your life to continue to conform to what the world is doing and how it does it and to then go against it and do it a different way. And that's why Paul says this has to become a habit. So the bottom line today is this. A habit of serving trains us to live for something other than ourselves. It trains you. So how do you do this? (laughs) How do you apply serving? How do you make it a habit? Let me give you some simple ways. This is super simple. One, in our app, we have under the events tab, we have something called Wired to Serve. If you have no idea what your gifts and abilities are, we have a nice little survey we'd like you to take. It's a simple thing, and then uh, we'll contact you and show you results. We'll sit down with you and go through this kind of like basically a, a survey test to figure out what it is that you're gifted and how you can apply those to serving somewhere. Not necessarily in our church, but we just want to help you get a better idea about what is my gift? What is it that I'm good at? I mean, I know what I do at work, but is that applicable to anybody other than at work? Can I use this? Hey, we can help you figure that out. Another way I want you to do, uh, another step you can take, go by the suite. Now listen, I I said I wasn't going to ask you to serve. I'm not asking you to serve today. I'm just urging you to take a step. I don't, I'm not commanding you to go by the suite. Listen, if you have any inkling to figure out, hey, how could I serve? Listen, we have places around here, behind the scenes even, working with data, working with computers. We have, we have places with kids and middle schoolers and high schoolers. We have places with college students. Look, we can put you in a place where you can start to figure it out. We don't know, but we can help you start in a place and start to serve somewhere so you can start to get a routine. And we can help you set that routine in your life so it starts to grow in you this idea that God is doing something in you that's bigger than you. But lastly, having nothing to do with here, maybe you just need to ask yourself this question this week. God, where can I serve today? Maybe the habit for you is thinking about when you go home and looking at the people that you live with your roommates or your family, and going, God, where am I supposed to serve these people today? And maybe it's going into work tomorrow, and rather than just going straight to your desk and doing what you need to do and blocking out everything else, what if it's just something simple? God, where can I serve today? And maybe, it, maybe it's in the community, as you drive to work, you just start to notice things. And maybe it's not anything anything anybody's asked you to do, but you start to notice that, man, there's a place maybe I could go serve those people or that person or that way. I don't know what God is asking you to do. I do know this, that until you develop a habit of serving, until it's something you put in your regular routine, you will always, always battle this thing in your head about what is God's purpose for my life And what is his will for me? And why can't I feel at peace and joy even though things seem to be going well with this whole thing of I'm just living for me and what I want and what I do. And only when you're able to flip that and see yourself as important and valuable because of the way you serve others in your workplace or at home or in the community or wherever it is, wherever you go, if you can ask God, where can I serve today? If that is what you can do, you will find much, much more clarity around this big question of purpose and much, much more clarity around your value and what you add to everybody around you. Guys, let me pray for us today. God, thank you so much 
that you have given us this teaching from Paul and that Paul lived it out. And God, thank you for Jesus modeling for us this idea of serving everyone. And God, it is not easy to change our minds. But God, I pray is that as we start to apply ourselves and to serve, that we would move our minds away from ourselves and we'd start to transform our lives away from selfishness, away from just living and doing things for our own good and for the people uh, just within our immediate family, but for the good of all people. And God, I pray that you would help all of us this week to ask the question, God, where should I serve today so that we can add value to everyone around us? Because God, you've done for us what we could not do for ourselves. So because of your mercy to us, we can freely give what you've given us to the other people in our lives. In your son's name I pray, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.